Uh, today we're looking at the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin. We read these a few weeks ago when, when Graham looked at the parable of the lost son, but we're going to talk about these parables today. So let's read them first. So, Timmy, do you want to read this first part? The collect- Tax collectors. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the praises Pharisees. Pharisees, sorry, and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Wow. Simon, do you want to read this bit? Uh, so Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call it together. He will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, "Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep." In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over ninety-nine others who are righteous and haven't strayed. Okay. And finally, um, <laughs> Annie, do you want to read also, this? Suppose the woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she lie loud and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Thank you. Isn't it great to have such good literacy? (laughs) So let's pray. Lord, give us your heart for the lost and help us to be moved to act with as much compassion and love as you did in Christ. In his name. Amen. Okay, so many years ago, when I was but a lad. Pun not intended. One of my daily chores on our hobby farm was fetching the cows. You see... My dad used to milk the cows in the morning and to ensure that there was milk in their udders, we had to bring them and their calves home so we could lock the calves up separately overnight and feed the mother's grain. Now the saying, when the cows come home, describes a time that will never happen for good reason. Cows don't come home on their own, even when there's grain waiting. Only if there's no other source of food or water will they come home on their own. And so my job was to round them up and drive them home, feed the cows and pen the calves. Despite their disinterest in coming home on their own, once you got them moving, they tended to walk home by themselves, fortunately. One afternoon, I was up in the 100-acre paddock where we grazed the cows looking for time, looking for them to bring them home. I found them pretty quickly, but I soon noticed that one of the cows looked different to what I was expecting. She had been pregnant, and it was obvious that she had delivered her calf, but it was nowhere to be seen. What do you think I did? Looked for the calf? That's right. I left the cows, including the blithely unconcerned new mother. This doesn't happen with people, right, Shalinda? 
Heading for home. <laughs> Heading for home while I searched for the calf. Now, it's one thing to search for 12 head or more of full-size beasts and quite another to search for a small, possibly not even vertical calf. Yeah. I crisscrossed that paddock several times, checking all the tricky hiding places I could think of. It was getting dark and I was getting desperate. So as I walked, I prayed. Somehow I felt led a prompting to go and look in a certain place where there were a few low shrubs and vines. Peering under the branches, I saw the dark brown calf still covered in gooey afterbirth. He was lying on the ground quietly. I picked him up and started carrying him home, getting afterbirth all over my shirt and arms. After a while, I realized that while a calf is relatively small, they're actually a heavy weight to carry for a kilometer or so over reasonably rough ground, so I slung him over my shoulders. My shirt was as dirty as it could get anyway. It was dark by the time I got back to the yards and the cows were waiting for me and their grain. I set the little fella down and pushed him towards his mother. Fortunately, she finally remembered that, yeah, she was a mum and started licking the afterbirth off. I didn't pen him up that night. He needed to get the colostrum from his mum into him and we didn't want to drink that anyway. It felt good rescuing that little calf. I was so happy to see him rejoined with his mother instead of discovering him dead some days later, which had happened before. I had a good story to tell the family and they were all happy about it too. The decision to leave the cows to their own devices while I searched for the calf wasn't a difficult one. I knew how precarious the calf's hold on life was unless I could reunite him with his mother. In the same way, it wasn't a difficult decision to pick him up and carry him home, no matter how filthy he was. Now, you probably noticed that this story, which is a true story, of course, although these photos are just for illustration. I didn't carry a camera around with me back then. (coughs) It has a lot of parallels to Jesus' parables of the lost sheep and coin. So we're going to look at the important lessons I learned from my experience in which Jesus describes in his parables. But before we do that, I just want to point out that unfortunately, not all sheep are easy to retrieve, like this one. (laughs) That sheep's not very smart, is it? Okay, the kids can go off now. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so... The biggest, the biggest difference between the two parables, the, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, uh, and the third parable of the lost son is 
that the first two parables speak of the relentless search of the owner for the lost. In the prodigal son, on the other hand, the father waits at home for the son until he decides to return. The reason for the difference is simple. The first two parables describe God's perspective and the third describes ours. You see, just as I knew that my lost calf was not going to find his way home, God knows that we are lost in our sins. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Roman church, explains our plight. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. This is the situation that humanity finds itself in. We're so captured by our rebellion that we can't even turn away from that ugly path. Not until God reaches out for us. That is why the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin come before the parable of the lost son. God reaches out for us first. As Paul writes later on, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So that's the first important lesson for us. God prioritizes the lost over those who already know him. But when I remember my experience, sorry, it, <clears throat> sorry, that's, yeah, God prioritizes the lost sheep and the coin over the safe ones. Now, it's, it's tempting for us to think that this is unfair, that God prioritizes the lost over those who already know him. But when I remember my experience, I find it easy to understand. The cows were quite capable of looking after themselves, but the calf was going to die without me. Now, of course, we all need God's constant presence and support in our lives. So we're fortunate that God is present everywhere and that he knows everything and that he has unlimited power. God doesn't have to abandon us in order to reach the lost. The point is that the lost are a priority. Did you ever wonder whether the lost sheep or the lost coin was worth more than any of the other 99 or 9? It's pretty clear from these parables, including the lost son, that there's nothing special about the lost, apart from the fact that they're lost, of course. God doesn't search for the lost because the 99 and the 9 are incomplete without them. He searches for the lost because he wants everyone to be found. I didn't hunt for the little calf because I was so excited about the, the potential that he had. I hunted for it because its life was in danger and I was its only hope. Now we, we are God's representatives here on earth. Christ's body to do his work, his ambassadors. So do we think of those who don't know Christ as lost ones who deserve our priority? Are we moved by their desperate plight? Do we recognize 
that without God, they will not make it. And does that motivate us to search for them diligently? Think about it. When was the last time that one of us went out of our way to find a way to share the good news with someone? It's challenging, isn't it? But don't despair. We reach the lost in many ways, including by welcoming them into Renew through our youth and connection activities and, and by the ministries we support and just by loving people. The point is to always be ready for any opportunity. Always be ready to respond with a heart of love. The next important lesson is in how joyful it is to bring home the now found sheep or coin. While I didn't have a party to celebrate my found calf, it was a wonderful feeling that I still remember and celebrate. Think about the way Jesus puts it. In verse 7 in the parable, in the same way there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Mm, this, this too sounds a bit unfair, doesn't it? But consider, you know, because I've told you, that I have a wonderful memory of rescuing that calf. But... Do you think I have fond memories of getting the cows home every night? Of course not. Also, it's, it's not unfair because we were all once lost. Heaven exploded in joy over all of us at one time or another. And we have had the constant love of the Father since then as Jesus describes in the parable of the lost son. The father said to the second son, Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Now we do have to be careful. The force of these first two realities from the parables encourages us to focus heavily on those who don't know Christ. And that's good. But what if we focus on them to the point where there is no home for them to come to here on earth? The church is supposed to be the kingdom of heaven on earth, but if it forgets to fellowship together, how can we expect the lost to grow when they're found? We end up with a church that looks like this. I call this a hollow church. Everyone is too busy with the important work of evangelism, facing outward, bringing in the lost, that there's no time for loving one another, for building one another up, for building one another up in Christian discipleship and fellowship. No one can live like this for very long. God gave us to one another to love and encourage each other. The lost sheep doesn't come back to a fold full of strangers, but to a fold full of its family. If, on the other hand, we forget about the priority of the lost, we end up with a model like this. This sort of church is an insular church. The people of this church 
are just interested in being together in their family. They don't care about the outside world. It's going to hell anyway. This sort of church is doomed to die, both spiritually because they're not obeying Jesus' call to reach the lost, and physically because they're not being replenished with new believers. Rather, what Jesus wants, what he's talking about, is this sort of church. I call this an outreaching church, a community that's known both by its love for one another, the inward dimension, and with that power, it transforms the world by its love for the lost, the outward dimension. This is a balance of community growth and evangelical growth. And that's what we want here at Renew. The final lesson, I think, in these parables is very simple. You probably recognize God in the shepherd of the first parable and in the poor widow of the second parable. Do you find that strange? Jesus is portraying the glorious, all-powerful God of the universe as a lowly, grubby shepherd. Even worse, he portrays the king of the universe as a poor widow, the weakest position that an adult can have in a traditional society. But I think this just emphasizes the strangeness of what these parables are teaching. God humbles himself to search for us. He's not the proud parent waiting for their rebellious brats to come crawling back home. God abandons his dignity when he goes hunting for us. He searches, he lifts us on his shoulders, he sweeps the floor relentlessly. He shows a humble persistence that we struggle to emulate. What would Renew look like if we humbled ourselves, if we prioritised the lost as God does, and if we showed our greatest joy when welcoming them home? What would my life look like if I humbled myself and let God's desperate love for the lost lead me in my daily activities and relationships? Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you hunted each of us down with your relentless love and carried us home to dwell with you. Help us to have that same love for the lost. Help us to know how to be your hands and your feet here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen.